Hello there, and welcome to Music Speaks. This is the podcast that dedicates itself to how music impacts people's lives. For this show, we usually have three co-hosts, my friend Hunter in his white t-shirt, Mary Haddix with her glasses on, and myself with also some blue light glasses. Um, Myself, Sean, Mary, and Hunter believe that many people have a playlist that makes their life unique through music. We pride ourselves on building upon our musical knowledge with our featured guests, jamming to incredible music, talking about a wide variety of artists and composers, and everything in between. Our quote of the day is by Marcel Proust, and he says that the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Today, I will be taking on the challenge once again, as we did at the end of last year of the Proust questionnaire. And uh, for those who don't know, it's a, it's a tool of reflection as we end this year. And it, uh, though it's been a tumultuous year to say the least, I think uh, it gives us a chance to reflect on ourselves and our beliefs and our ideals and how we want to perhaps enter the new year. So with that being said, away we go. Okay, so uh, we're back with Hunter and we're gonna go through the Proust questionnaire today. So um, the first question, Hunter, so tell us your idea of perfect happiness. Mm. Oh dear, my idea of perfect happiness. Um, I would say, uh, you know, like you, I, I have a difficult time answering this. It's like a not, it's not really like I picture this scenario in my head. Uh, to be honest, just sort of, you know, the family in the house, we're at home in no specific time of year. I'm sitting doing something on my computer or talking to someone in the house and you know, everyone's calm and everyone's doing their own thing, but we're all there. So it's, you know, you're, you're together, but you know, you I don't know, that, that makes it seem like I, I don't enjoy doing things with them, but you know, just being as a unit, like I live with my parents and my sister and, and that's when I find myself most contented. So, um, so you're saying when it's a lifestyle rather than, yeah, a right. A lifestyle of, of, um, the unit rather than like a specific temporal situation. Okay. So um, I, I love this question. And I hate this question. What's your greatest fear? Oh gosh, my greatest fear. Uh... Well, I mean, you know, I could say something like snakes or rats or, you know, I don't know, the boogeyman. But um, maybe going deaf. Yeah, that's a lot like what mine was like. Well, you know, for me, because I mean, you know, we're both teachers, right? Uh, you, you know, I was in a, in a private setting um, and, and me in a public setting. But for me, you know, it's not just the musical aspect of it as well. But, you know, I teach a language. It's, it is very verbal at certain times. Uh, obviously, my other uh, degree is music. So I do have a lot of musical involvement. Um, so in both respects, they are highly, um, they, they both highly necessitate sound. And I feel like Obviously, you know, you could see, you could read, you could sign, but there's something uh, off-putting about that. You know what I mean? There's something that, that, that a component that's essentially taken away that in a way destroys the, the foundation of those two. Mm-hmm. And obviously teaching 
when deaf would be very difficult. You'd have to have students that, you know, you wouldn't be able to if the students didn't know how to sign. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely scares me too. And even like outside of music. Um, okay, so um, what is the trait that you most deplore in yourself? Oh gosh, the trait that I most deplore in myself. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think about the things that, that cause me the most problems in terms of, you know, myself. I, I'm very forgetful, not with like major things, but like little day-to-day -day things like, you know, uh, I don't know, bring the laundry down when you come down or I told you go put this over here or oh, I have to turn in this thing, or I have to fill out this form. Like we have to fill in this, this form for COVID every day at work where it's like, it makes no sense. You have to know what your temperature is, but no one actually knows what it is. So you just sort of make it up. Mm -hmm. um, and you, you, and I, I, every day I have forgotten to fill it out. I, for, I remember maybe once every two weeks. You know what I mean? And it's like, no one is checking it. It's just, they have to say that they did it, but it's one of those things, you know, you're supposed to do it. And yet you forget anyway. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, I think that's probably it. I, I can be somewhat civ minded, which is what we make fun of my father about. But uh, I suppose that's the thing I, I deplore the most. Cause I remember things like that don't make sense. Like I shouldn't remember them. Random pieces of information. I'm, I'm a wealth of useless information, but if you ask me to remember things day to day, I often have a difficult time doing that. Mm-hmm. Mind like a steel trap? <laughs> a sort of, not. <laughs> All right, so uh, there, sorry, there was a glitch. Um, so what is the trait that you most deplore in others? Um, the thing I most deplore in others is arrogance because arrogance leads to a vast multitude of other problems. And one of those, which you mentioned when you did yours is ignorance, um, often self-imposed ignorance if the person is arrogant um, because they refuse to make the change um, if it's something that, that is easily rectifiable. Um, and, and it also leads to you know confrontation, confrontational behavior, it leads to um, rifts, it leads to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, no, I guess rifts is the word I'm looking for. And it causes other people to then be either ignorant or it causes other people to be confrontational, not just you as the person who is arrogant, but it causes it in other people as well. Ah, so it's like a gateway flaw, but contagious. Yes, very much so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. Okay. So um, I, I think uh, for me, there are a few qu questions on the list that are harder than others. This is one of them. Which living person do you most admire? Living person do I most admire? Um, well, given that we know one of the questions later is about heroes, I, I know what you mean. Like this is a, this is a difficult question. So let's okay. assume this one is talking about someone that I am not well acquainted with. Mm -hmm. um, you know, someone you most, living person you most admire. Um, 
you know, I think, you know, I think you said Betty White, right? That's who you had said. And, you know, I think maybe, maybe someone who, I wouldn't say I most admire them, like most, but I would say someone whom I greatly admire is uh, Robert Downey Jr. Mm. Because he is someone who, you know, he had a good career in his formative years, and then he really screwed up his life. Um, And then, you know, it took him a long time, a lot of tries, but he eventually seemed to find his way, got a big break, and managed to, it seems, keep his life together and become a role model for a lot of people and a, a symbol of what you can do if you choose to make a great change in your life. Yeah, that's a good story. Right, I mean, it, it, I wouldn't say he's the person I most, but I, I think I'd have to think on that one more, but I would say he is a great, uh, a great example. I can agree with that. What is your greatest extravagance, Hunter? My greatest extravagance? I haven't a clue. I don't, I don't spend money on anything. Like I, I don't, uh, like my sister jokes whenever we go anywhere, she's like, Hunter will pay, Hunter will pay for what, <laughs> like for whatever it is, because I, li- I literally don't spend anything. Like I don't buy gifts for myself. I don't like go to restaurants. I don't do it. Like, so I, I mean, I'm a very boring person, but I, I don't know the most extravagant <laughs> thing. I don't know. I mean, I, I I have ancestry and I pay for that myself. And it's, you know, like per year, it's like $350. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say that's probably it. That's probably the thing I put the most money towards. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. So number eight is what do you consider? Oh, sorry. Uh, number seven. What is your current state of mind? My current state of mind. Um, I feel like anyone in my mind would just be terrified. So, I mean, it's just, I have a lot in my mind and I don't feel like I'm swimming at all. It's just, uh, I don't know. I, 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 sometimes I picture my mind like a library, right? Which I mean, is not like a unique envisionment, but I, I have a lot of things and people are constantly checking out books on certain things. And eventually they go back in the shelves and, you know, it's, it's constant, there's constant happenings, but I wouldn't say it's disorganized. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's really the right, the answer you're looking for, but I, I guess that's the first thing that comes to mind. I'm envisioning like the, the library at Hogwarts with like flying books and things. Yes, exactly. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I was going to say something like literally books flying off the shelf. So that is sort of the, yes, the way I think of it. Nice. All right. I, I can appreciate that. Okay. Um, now what do you consider the most overrated virtue? Now this one's tricky. Cause even when you were answering it, I was thinking to myself, like, well, there's different kinds of virtues, like, and I mean, and this is where my mind goes, right? I'm like, oh, what, what virtues are we talking about? Are we talking about like biblical virtues? Are we talking about like <laughs> humanity virtues, like humane virtues? I don't know. Um, I think, um, I don't know. I guess, 
See, I see. I don't know. Like the virtues that I'm thinking of in my head are like not not everyday kind of thing. I don't know. It, it's a weird question. You think pride um, would be it? Pardon? Like, what do you mean? Sorry, sorry. No, it's, it's in a weird place. No, it's just I. Like if you like, I didn't know how to answer this. Cause like uh, you look up virtues, right? Like what are the virtues? Like that was what I had to do while you were answering the question because like list of virtues, the, not that I didn't know what they were. I just didn't know of what kind of virtues yeah, are we what are talking the about here. Right? I mean, cause if you look them up, right? What comes up about, you know, like honesty and charity and, and uh, the hopefulness and chastity and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, I don't know, maybe, uh, I'm gonna say, and this is gonna sound really bad. I'm gonna say generosity, but it, it's not, I don't mean that being generous is the least valuable among human traits. I just think that it's the one that is born of all the other virtues and therefore in a way is almost the least foundational. Okay. That's an interesting take. Okay. Yeah. That's a good answer. Um, uh, yeah. I don't even know what went through my brain when we first saw that question today. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, um, okay. So next question. Um, on what occasion do you lie? On what occasion do I lie? Uh, well, to be completely honest, I feel like, you know, it's it's the reason everybody lies, right? To make sure you're not in trouble. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the why do people, that's why they lie. You lie for two reasons. You either lie to make sure you don't get into trouble or you lie to not hurt someone else's feelings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and the reason could be the same. It could be something that could get you in trouble and hurt someone else's feelings. So that's probably the, the time that I, the times that I lie. That's a good one. Wow, what a methodical and surgical answer. <laughs> Are you an only child? There's no way you're an only child. I'm not an only child. I know, it was a joke. It's just- No, I know. It's funny, that is, you're not the oldest, are you? I am. Okay, because that sounds like wisdom from the eldest, you know, of the, of the house, <laughs> so I, I get that. <laughs> okay, um, what do you most dislike about your appearance? Oh gosh, my appearance. Um, well, I mean, I'm not like an in-shape person by any means. Although as my father would say, round is a shape. Um, <laughs> he usually says that about himself. I love that. Um, you know, I've got a little bit of a, a little bit of a stomach, but that, that doesn't really bother me all that much. I would say I have like this, I call it like a jowl. Like, like I don't wanna, I don't wanna get like a turkey thing underneath my chin. So I'm always very conscious of that. Um, and I'm balding on the top of my head. Not that you ever see the top of my head, but I guess those two, right? I don't want to have this jowl thing any more than I have to, and I'm losing my hair. So, I mean, I guess those are the two. <laughs> Sorry, don't, is, isn't that something that has to do with like turkey mating or something? <laughs> I, I think it does, yes. I believe it does. <laughs> but I, I can understand that. I always make like double chin faces in the camera specifically mm -hmm. because, yeah. Uh, oh yeah, that's very easy for me to do. All I have to do is look down. I know, same. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the joys of having instant uh, 
gratification for everything through the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, um, all right. So which living person do you most despise? Again, this is this is sort of like the which living person do you most admire kind of thing. Like, uh, I mean, I could say someone like, I mean, he's not alive anymore. I was going to say Osama bin Laden, but, um, you know, again, it's it's more the concept of, of people. I, I, I most despise the concept of people who are living in the 21st century and continue to... Um, who continue to put stock in old beliefs for no reason. You know, I, I've always said that, you know, I, I'm a big follower of tradition, right? Their tradition is there, uh, and I, I appreciate its value. I, I do, in ways, find myself a traditional person. But I always say, say that, like, tradition is the uh, – tradition is like the, the rudder on a boat or a plane – you know, the, the plane of the boat is going to barrel forward with, with, with or without tradition, but it's not going to have any direction. Tradition guides the direction that it goes in. It doesn't make the boat move forward. So it needs to be there for a reason because it will help guide the path of the future. But people who barrel forward with, with, no, with no tradition are as bad as people who don't want to move forward. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I think those kind of people irritate me. The people who remain stuck in the past simply to dig their heels in, but also the people who barrel forward simply for the sake of barreling forward. Yeah, there needs to be balance. Say it again? Yeah, there needs to be balance. Yes, there has to be some sort of balance. You have to be moving ahead for a reason and with some sense of where you're going. So, I mean, that, that's a whole larger discussion. But I would say, yeah, those are the people. So what is the quality you most like in a man? Um, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I mean, growing up, I mean, I didn't have many friends growing up. Uh, I count maybe the, on my hand the number of friends that I had. Um, and most were women. Oh, yes, Sean was one of them. Um, but most of them were girls. I just happened to get along with them better. <laughs> um, Guys' mindsets I just didn't really understand, ironic given I was one. Um, mm. uh, so I would say in a guy I most admire, um, I most admire probably humility and a sense of humor. I like that. Sorry. Um, yeah. So uh, same question, but about women. Um, you know, I've always found that women have a great, you know, you mentioned empathy in yours, but I've always found they've had a great sense of empathy. I think it's something more suited to, however, the woman's brain, uh, develops possibly like you said, because the brain of a woman is said to develop faster than a man. I think their, their sense of empathy, their sense of understanding of, of, uh, uh, not just self-awareness, but awareness of others. It, it happens as they're younger. So by the time they reach adulthood, they tend to already have that, that developed sense. Granted, of course, there are guys who this happens to as well. And, you know, girls that it doesn't happen to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I think in, in women, it's, the, it's their, um, I, th I think it's their empathetic side, their compassionate side. 
Which words or phrases do you most overuse? Well, I do also say um a lot, but it's usually like a long drawn out. Um, yeah, you know, I actually kept track. Uh, everyone, there have been like four us, but most of them have been ums. Ums, really? Yeah. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> what else do I say a lot of? I don't know. I don't think I'm a like person. I don't find myself overly using the word like. But then again, I don't know. Perhaps. I do, and I just don't know. I, I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys like. You know, if you said you've been keeping track of it, then I guess maybe other things stand out to you. But I, I would say um is probably the only thing I consciously notice myself doing. Yeah, I don't like to. I I don't tend to listen to myself. I do think before I speak, but like I try not to play it back again. You know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once was enough. Yeah. But um, all right. Next question is what or who is the greatest love of your life? The greatest love of my life. I don't know my life. I, uh, I, I am not dating anyone currently. And I mean, I, you know, you could say the, the usual, you know, your parents, your, your siblings, your family as a whole, Probably, probably my family just as a unit, which seems like a cop-out answer, but uh, the, the family unit that I exist in is the thing that uh, I direct most of my love at. I, I don't date. I have never dated. So it's never really been something on my mind. So I've never really been seeking any sort of external amorous intention. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I've really enjoyed getting to know you so far, but like in, in the grand scheme, we really only know each other through podcasts and stuff. And I think that it's still uh, extremely evident um, that you put great stock and great pride in your family. So mm -hmm. um, when and where were you happiest? When and where was I happiest? Oh boy, let's see. Well, given that my greatest sense of, of a happy or like the, the sense of perfect happiness from like question one or whatever it was, um, was just a, a sense of routine living here, I would say probably, probably, this is gonna sound really weird, but my, my high school years, it's going to sound really just, and like most people would not want to go back to high school. And I wouldn't, I don't think that I'd necessarily like to go back to high school, but I, I am a person who takes great comfort in routine. And so the routine that I have or that I had in high school, you know, you go to school, you go through your classes. I got relatively good grades. And so that was always pleasing. Um, and then you come home, you talk about your day. How was other people's days? So I would say probably my high school years. College, I didn't really see as anything other than an extension of high school. It was just a new group of people in a new place. I didn't go anywhere or do anything different. Um, I never went out. I, I never really interacted with too many other people. So other than the, the one or two people that I was friends with, um, who I still am. But 
we didn't really go anywhere or do anything. So I, I, that's when I, you know, when I say I'm a boring person, I truly like, I'm not like trying to be self-deprecating here. I truly did nothing ever. And so to me, a sense of routine is just the most comforting thing. Well, yeah. And like, uh, um, alignment charts, uh, be damned, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so, um, I definitely appreciate having the structure to know what comes next. So, mm -hmm. um, all right. And then, um, I think the last one I get to ask is, uh, which talent would you most like to have? Talent I would most like to have. Hmm. I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I feel like, you know, that's something, you know, it could be like, oh, you're talking about like a, you're talented in a subject or you're talented, like, I don't know, you can whittle or I don't know, play the banjo or something. I, uh, I don't know. My, my father is really precise and like everything he does is really, uh, it's really accurate. Like, you know, he's a fan of saying like, well, measure twice and cut once, you know, it's, it's <laughs> that kind of stuff. Cause he's a, he's, he likes to build things. Oh. Um, and he has a great talent for being really consistent. Like if he's cutting a piece of paper, it is going to be a really straight line. Like it is going to be perfectly straight. If he's drawing a line on something or he's making a circle, it's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Of course, then if ours is not, he's going to be like, well, were you, were you even looking at the paper? I was like, yes, I was looking at the paper. Thank you. Um, so I think his precision I would like to have. That's that's a really cool uh, perspective. Oh, if only I were precise. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Off to you, Sean. Okay. All right, Hunter. Number 18, if you could change one thing about yourself... What would it be? It changed one thing about myself. Yeah. Uh, I would say if I had to choose, if I had to change one thing about myself, mm -hmm. maybe not that I wish it, but if I had to change one thing about myself, I would make myself more outgoing. And I don't mean outgoing, like I can have a conversation with, with basically anyone. There's very few people that I can't have a conversation with. Um, and my family will say I could have a conversation with a corpse and still make it work. Uh, but I'm not the kind of person who will go out of my way to make that conversation happen. Yeah. If you come to me, fine, we'll talk, but I'm not going to put myself out there, which is what I said before about, you know, I don't go out. I don't really talk to people. I, I but if you talk to me, obviously I'm not going to ignore you. So I would say that's something like I, I might want to give myself some intrinsic desire for human contact, which I think I might lack a little. True. Um, but other than, yeah, I would say that's probably look forward to uh, Hunter's next podcast with a corpse. Y'all <laughs> it's like breakfast. What is that? Uh, bre not breakfast uh, weekend at Bernie's weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. Hunter will do all the voices. <laughs> <laughs> what do you consider to be your greatest achievement? My greatest achievement, yeah. I would say, finishing my finishing my masters mm -hmm. as the completion of my college years. 
You know what I mean? Not just the right. master's degree itself, but the the fact that the master's was the culmination of my five years mm-hmm. in college, right? You do your four years of undergrad. Mm-hmm. Mine was an accelerated one-year master's. So I did my student teaching and my observations and my courses all in the one year. So I'd say finishing my master's is probably my greatest achievement. Okay. Uh, question 20 reads, if you were to die and come back as a person or thing, what would it be? Hmm. If I, I don't think I'd want to come back as a thing. Uh, Poor Mary. She's like, come on, man. I know. (laughs) It's like the pipe organ. Um, I would say... I would say I'd want to come back as, I don't know, maybe Benny Goodman. Okay, okay. Um, What is your, actually, where would you most like to live? Where would I most like to live? Yeah. Um... I don't know. Uh, you know, I obviously, you know, here I live in Trumbull. I live across from the, you know, where I went to school. I was doing my student teaching there. I, I'd like to live in, you know, a suburban area, much like Trumbull. If not, to be completely honest, I would like to just have the house I live in when I get older. Like, you know, my parents always said they wanted a smaller place. So when they are of retirement age or possibly when they don't want to live here anymore, I would take the house and I would just live here. Okay. I don't really have neighbors that I'd have to interact with. You know, I have neighbors. They're nice, but we don't really interact. It's not really like a neighborhood. Um, and it's a main road. That doesn't bother me. It's across from a school, so it's relatively safe. And, uh, you know, it's a good area. High taxes, but other than that. Yeah. I feel like I have deja vu when I ask you this next question, because I feel like I might know the answer to this one. But what yeah. is your most favorite possession? My most treasured possession. Gosh, I don't know. Um, you say the, the clarinet your grandfather gave you, right? I do have the clarinet my grandfather gave me. That is true. That is a very treasured possession. That is certainly up there. I don't know. I have as well, we have a photo of my, of my great, great, great grandfather. And his and his wife, so my great 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 grandmother. So those are those are up there. So I don't know the clarinet or the okay. photo. I, I, maybe I'll say the clarinet because um, I, uh, you know, that's something tangible. Okay. It's something you can use. Yeah, but the the photo is 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 pretty up there too. Because I mean, it's the only copy of this photo of this person who was born in you know like 1860. So right. Well, time to get back to some punk rock, which means. Uh, what do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? Oh, no. <laughs> Wasn't sure where you were going with that for a second. Um, the lowest depth of misery. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can't think of a particular situation that would constitute this, but I, I almost feel like, you know, misery, when you are miserable, you are feeling like, badly right it's a sense of it's a it's a deeper state of sadness Mm -hmm. but at a certain point people reach a state where they feel nothing at all and i think that is actually the greatest depth of misery because 
people always think that, you know, the opposite of love is hate, but both require very strong emotion. And we have, I always think of it in terms of students. We have students who hate school, right? We have students who love school, both feel something very strong towards it. But then there are students who are indifferent to school. And no matter what you tell them, no matter what you try to get them to learn, they will never be engaged because they feel nothing towards it. They, they don't hate it. They don't love it. And you would think that means they're somewhere in the middle. But in fact, it's not. It, it's that I think they, when, when you feel nothing towards something, you are not invested in it either way. If somebody hates someone they broke up with, it means they still feel very strongly towards them, yeah. right? Or you love them very strongly. It means you feel very strongly towards them. When you become indifferent towards them, I think that's the greatest depth of misery. Right. And I think I know the answer to this next question, which is, uh, what is your favorite occupation? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, for me, uh, I went into what I think my favorite occupation would be teaching is, is I think, I'm not going to say it's the best occupation in the world, because there are people who I know, they despise the occupation, right? They, it's, there are people who hated their teachers. There are people who would think you must be insane to go into teaching and it's not the best pay. But I think that the ability to work with people all day, even if it's children, the ability to work with people all day, you get everyone's points of view and it allows you to give something back to the community that you're in. Right. I, I, I would say it is my favorite. Okay. All right. Well, 25 reads, what is your most marked characteristic? Gosh, I don't know. Some, uh, see, I, I feel like these questions, a lot of them, like what I said earlier was, you know, you think about yourself one way, but other people see you in a certain way. Right. And a marked characteristic is something that you clearly demonstrate to other people. So I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know what what's most obvious about me when other people meet me. I mean, uh, Sean, you and I met a long time ago. So I mean, you might not even remember meeting me. But I mean, Mary, I met you more recently. So I, I don't know how you would define me. Oh, I don't know. Um, I think from a surface, I mean, you come across as an extremely not I was about to say extremely emotional, but it's not that. It's it's like a deep regard and um, strong square head, you know, on your shoulders. I think that was like the clearest, you know, when I first met you, it's like this guy knows exactly what he wants and he's content and, <laughs> and you are. I mean, it, it, we can talk about it more later. It's one of the questions I want to ask you about. Sure. You know, I'll, okay. also say, I'll also say the voice, but we'll, we can move on from that one. The too. voice, yes, the voice is is it's Squidward <laughs> all over again. <laughs> well, twenty six reads, Hunter. What do you most value in your friends? Um, I would say, you know, friends. You know, friends have always been a tricky subject for me because for a very, very long time, I didn't really consider that I had any, um, which it sounds so much sadder than I want it to. Like, that, that that's not meant to come across as like a poor me, you know, but a Christian. But um, it, it, it's meant to be more like, 
I didn't value people's company for a very, very long time. And therefore I didn't really mm -hmm. feel much towards them. So I would say now having, you know, being older, having a, a better concept of companionship, um, not from a, mm -hmm. from a romantic standpoint, but from a, from a amicable standpoint, I would say probably, gosh, I don't want to feel like I'm copying Mary's answers, but I would say honesty what? is, is probably the most important thing. Cause like, you could have a friend who you're friends with and they're a deeply unpleasant person, but if you just know that's how they are and not to say that they should be unpleasant, it, it's just, you know, they're not doing it because they're trying to be mean. It's just, if they're very, like, we've all known that person who it's just, they say whatever comes into their mind. They're not doing it to be disrespectful. They just, they don't, they don't care enough to, to filter what they're saying or they, they don't feel the need to filter what they're saying. It's not they're trying to be rude. That's just the way they are. Right, right. But that's honest of them, right? I yeah. mean, if they and if they're if they're vocal about that, I can appreciate that. Who are your favorite writers? My favorite writers, uh, I would say, first and foremost. Well, maybe not first and foremost. It, it, it's a toss up. I would say probably. David Eddings, I don't know if you know who he is, but David Eddings, he was a fantasy writer in the, uh, what did he write, in the late 60s through the 90s. He wrote quite a bit, and his wife, Leah, was his uh, editor and sometimes co-writer. Uh, so they're very good. And I really, really enjoy Rick Reardon. Hey. Yeah, I really, I have liked everything that he's written. And I think that his job, his books do an incredible job of growing with their audience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he wrote the Percy Jackson series, mm -hmm. uh, which is Percy Jackson and the Olympians. And then he wrote right. um, the Heroes of Olympus series. Right. And then he wrote the Trials of Apollo series. Yeah. And each of those series progressively, while still maintaining the, the fact that it's about children, they they grow with the characters and the, and the stakes and the emotional growth of the characters are certainly geared towards older audiences as the books go along. Right. Okay. Yeah. And David Eddings, his writing is very Tolkien-ish. So his is more of a high fantasy sort of this very epic feel, which is nothing like Reardon. It's, it's very different, but I like that style. So... Who is your hero of fiction? My hero of fiction. That's a good question. Uh, a character that's always stood out to me as being really unique, maybe not unique, I guess it is unique, um, is actually a character from David Edding's major work, which was called The Belgariad, which is a series of six books um, that he lumped into this, the volume called The Belgariad. And there's a character who name is, and you know, it's again, it's, it's fantasy, so all the names are made up. Uh, her name is Polgara, and she's a sorceress. And the point of her character is that she's immortal, and she's been following her family's lineage protecting the members of her family as they go through the years because the family is being hunted. And so 
she becomes known as Aunt Cole to all the members of the family that she follows. And she follows each generation always being in their lives. So no one really knows how she's related to them, but they just know she's always been there, will always be there. And she's a very... She reminds me a little bit of my mother, to be honest. And, you know, my mother is a very kind and, and, and giving person, but she is by no means uh, uh, timid. Hmm. And so <laughs> she's, you know, this very, like, I want it this way. It's going to happen this way. And, and there's something about that character. While she is kind, she's compassionate. It's very much like, do this, do that. I can appreciate that way of uh, being. So I think... She's probably. Okay. Uh, which historical figure do you most identify with? I most identify with? Gosh. Uh, you know, I, in my head, I always think Benjamin Franklin, but like, I'm not a dirty old man, but I, you know, <laughs> he, but he was known for being very good humored and he was a very intelligent man and he was sort of, when, you know, people would always refer to him when they wanted advice. He was well-respected, never in a, he never seemed to be in a bad mood, which I can't say that's me at all. I, I'm frequently in a bad mood, but <laughs> I don't know. I always thought I was, a, I, I always felt like I identified with him. Mm, right. Okay. Well, 30 reads... Who are your heroes in real life? My heroes in real life, I'm, uh, this is no shock here, but my mother is definitely one of them. Um, and the other, I don't know. I mean, you know, so that's someone very close to home, but it's someone who, you know, I've always admired his career, what he's done. He did a lot for me, you know, Mr. Witt, who Mary, you wouldn't know him, but um, he was our uh, middle school band teacher. And, you know, he's sort of the one who made me want to go into music in the first place. Uh, he was a very, very kind, good, good humor. Did you ever see Mr. Holland's Opus? Uh, no. No? Well, if you ever watch Mr. Holland's Opus, he sort of reminds me of him. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Just a sort of a jolly kind of guy, but you know, very intelligent. Knew what he was doing, and as you got older, I think you appreciated more what he did for middle schoolers. Because I mean, when you're in middle school, you don't really understand the gravity of what middle school teachers are trying to deal with. Yeah. Particularly, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's a very niche kind of group that you have to work with. So, I would say, yeah, those two, my mother and him. What are your favorite names? My favorite names. Mm -hmm. I've always liked the name Anastasia. Okay. And for a guy, uh, let's see here. For a guy, it doesn't jump out as, as quickly to me, but I've always liked, uh, I guess there are a couple of different ones. I've always liked the name Salvatore. Okay. And I've always liked the name... I think another one that, that really pops to mind. Um, I've always liked the name uh, Giuseppe. I, like, I mean, that sounds like really stereotypical, but like I've always liked those two names. Giuseppe. All right. Well, Hunter, 
32 reads, what is it that you most dislike? That I most dislike? Yes. Um, rap culture? Like, that sounds really specific, but the first thing that came to my mind, like, I, I really dislike rap music, and I really dislike the culture that it promotes. And I know that sounds horribly antiquated, but... And, and I realize that it also is a great vehicle by which a certain uh, group of people can spread their voice. But I think what comes with it is a lot of negative traits that are also less than beneficial. And so it's something that I always am, am struggling to reconcile with. Okay. 33 is what is your greatest regret? <sighs> My greatest regret, you know, people ask me that sometimes, you know, like you see in like icebreaker things that you have to do, or, you know, you're in a PD session or something and, you, and you're like, oh, you got a good answer to this question again. I don't really have any regrets, to be honest. I, I don't really think I regret, there's nothing that I didn't do that I said I would have done or anything I did where I was like, I really shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, 34 is, again, that punk rock question, uh, how would you like to die? Um, having attained an older age, I'd like to go unexpectedly in my sleep. Okay, okay. Gone in your sleep. And that last question, you know very well, what is your motto? My motto? Uh, my motto is and i forget i heard this years and years ago and i don't even remember where or how or when but there's a difference between i can and i should um that's sort of my motto difference between i can and i should between i can and should well, Hunter, I want to thank you again for, for being a part of this questionnaire. I know this is your second time around the block for doing this one. Um, and, Hunter, when we come back, we will talk about your answers and debrief about some questions that me and Mary might have for you. Um, but before that, we're going to take a break. And if you like these podcasts, please think about subscribing. And if you'd like to contribute to our podcast, please consider going to anchor.com and search Music Speaks Podcast. Also... If you are interested in inquiring us to do a specific podcast, please write us at musicspeaks.pod at gmail.com or send a falcon to Hunter's house at eradicated information avenue and no way I'm giving you my zip code, Sean. Okay. So again, it is time for a break uh, sponsored by Anchor and with more panel discussion when we return about the Proust questionnaire. So do not go away. And we're back with Hunter after he has finished the uh, Quaust, the Proust questionnaire. Um, we've heard some really good things so far. It was far. a combination. You wanted to put them together. I know, a little bit, <laughs> all the words. But um, okay, so um, I just wanted to ask you a few questions, Hunter, concerning um, a couple of your answers, um, mostly just because 
I, I think uh, reflection should be a two-step process at least. And um, especially when we're with others and we're doing this together, why not um, allow that reflection to come from here? So um, the first one I wanted to ask you about is tech, it's number 17 on the list. Um, it's the one about talent, which talent would you most like to have? And you had answered um, basically what you believe is your, your dad's superpower. And I found that to be an interesting uh thing just because your uh, precision was like the number one thing that you wanted. And so I, I, I just wanted to know what you think, um, like what would you make if you had that? Or do you simply want to be able to just draw straight lines? You know, <laughs> if you could do anything and make it be a work of art perfect in its entirety, the first time you did it and that's all you did. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing that I've ever said to myself, gee, I really wish I could I could make that perfectly. Like, I'm not going to build a bench or, you know, the table I'm sitting at, he built. Uh, so I'm not building a table. It's just, I, I think in an everyday, like, this is going to sound really stupid, but like when you're teaching and you're on a, you got a board in front of you, right? And you draw a line or, you know, you're writing on the board and sometimes it now is, it's it's drawing, but now you dip as it's right and you've written in a curve. Um that kind of stuff that just always, I was like, oh, I wish I could be better at that. Or uh, I think what another good example would be, it's like, you know, you're, light, you're trying to tack something up on a wall or hang a picture or something, and it's not straight, or you line papers up on a bulletin board and they, they are dipping as well. Yeah. Just the visualization of, of order is, is something that I've always wanted to be better at. Oh, okay. I just, I wondered where that came from exactly, you know, like what you wanting most, but um, yeah, I can definitely appreciate that as uh, I, you know, I don't have my own classroom yet, but um, my uh, my best friend is a band director in Hazard and she is all over the type A like organization stuff. Like she color codes everything mm -hmm. um, and uh, her room is immaculate and I don't understand how things, you know, I don't get how she can just and she's left-handed too, so I don't get how she can just go boom and then it still be like stock straight and perfectly within a box, you know. Mm -hmm. ah, so I can I can relate to that one. Um, <laughs> let's see. So another one I wanted to ask you about. Um, so let's see. Oh, it was um, technically number twenty-four. Um, so let me just read that question again. What is your favorite occupation? And I, I took the novelty route um, on my press questionnaire and mm -hmm. said, you know, balloon animals. But um, <laughs> you, said, you know, that's uh, a good answer. Yeah, uh, but you said you know uh, something that's very true to your heart, and something that you know, if I had maybe been a little more serious at the time, I would have said teaching as well. Um, but something that you said at one point um, that teaching allows you to give back to your community. Um, I just wondered if you could talk for a second about how you visualize that relationship, like your community, as in um, you're giving back to the children that will um, grow up in, in your community. How does that uh, manifest for you um, in terms of that exchange, I guess? Uh, that's not a very good way to ask the question, but. Well, you know, the 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 thing i think that that causes i mean and and i guess this is a rather rather multifaceted deep answer but the 
root of all selfishness in the world is that everything you do has to be in service of your life. How, what happens to you below, you know, on and on and on uh, all about you, 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 you. And, and, you know, my, my sister and I were raised that, I don't want to say that you don't live your life for yourself, but you, you live your life. As, and I guess this is why I became a teacher is that your, your life is in service to others. And I don't want to say that we don't do selfish things. I mean, you know, we all like to, you know, eat what we want or, or get presents or, you know, whatever it is. But when you, when you become a teacher, it's not so, you know, there are the, the there are people who become teachers because it's a job, right? It earns them of living and, and that's their way of making money so that they can have a house. So that they, and, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I don't have to pay bills at this time because I live home and I don't have to pay rent or anything. So for me, my job at this point is that I am teaching perhaps not the most necessary subject in the world. Italian is not, it's not the end all be all. And I realize that, but it's a way of enriching people's lives. But the, the skills that come from it are ones that will benefit them later in life. And I think that if you can teach people to be better humans, right? I mean, it, it will help them help others in the future. And, and, Therefore, my job is not to go and teach so that I'm paid, even though pay, you know, pay is great. I love being paid. Everyone loves being paid. But my, my job is to educate people and they are to be educated so that they may go educate people or so that they may go be productive members of society. I love that answer. Yeah, it's, um, I mostly was just curious to see, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, because like, oh, life is in service to others. And um, I think if we don't ingrain that in education, um, you know, it can lead to some really whack uh, priorities. <laughs> so, um, and then that actually kind of brings us um, Huh, easy segue. Because uh, I wanted to ask you about the last question, your motto. <laughs> you said, um, different, I, I live by the difference between I can and I should. And I, I, you just said one, like, um, there are some teachers out there that um, go to school for the paycheck. And mm -hmm. um, as a music teacher, especially, we understand how wide the field is. Like, imagine like a middle school band podium. And mm -hmm. then just like stereotypically, like imagine a saxophonist or a flutist or a percussionist on the podium and how that might change a band sound just from your own personal store of stereotypes in your head. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I wanted to ask you, can you just discuss a little bit more in depth this difference between I can and I should, um, where does that count most for you? I would think just in, in your, uh, I would say in your everyday life, but I guess it, it's really more than that. It's in, in the grand trajectory of, of your life's direction. That's where I guess it comes in most like everyone, you know, you can go to college, right? And, and some people would say you should go to college, right? But, and obviously that's a matter of personal opinion, but if you do choose to go to college, what can you do? You can study for your classes. You can go out to a bar, you can get drunk, right? That, that is a choice, it's, it's, it's a choice. Should you go out 
should you get drunk? You could, you can go out and maybe, you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say you should go out, but I would say you definitely shouldn't get drunk. Um, should you prioritize school over social life? Well, I, I don't know. That's a matter of personal opinion, but I think you should. But some people would say I can. It, it's very much a personal lifestyle choice. And I guess it, it comes more up as you get into middle school, high school, but it, it applies down to even the youngest age. But, you know, uh, you try to teach students the different, you know, you can talk right now. You have the ability to talk while I'm talking in class. But does that mean you should? You can be on your phone right now. But does that mean you should? It, it's the sense of uh, choosing simply to do something because you have the ability to do so or the freedom to choose to do so does not mean that you should do it. You know, students, in, I mean, it's prevalent in high school, college, students are going, they're doing, they can do drugs, right? You can have sex. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And, and that's something that you want people to understand from a very young age, because it's something that gets them into trouble at a young age, because they think I can, therefore I must. Not just you should or shouldn't, you must do it. No, that's not the point. It's just something that I've always, and it's it's not something that you can easily make people believe. You know what I mean? It's something that you have to live by as you as you get from a very very young age. Yeah, you're right. Oh man. Well, I can't wait to hear what uh, you know. Sean's about to ask you about since you guys know have known each other for so long. Let's see where this goes. Well, I think something's interesting. I'll try to tag along to that last thought, which was going down the rabbit hole of, of question 25. Hunter, when we talked about your mark characteristics, you immediately said, I don't really know what they are. I feel like the only way that you can get that opinion is, is through the people that, that know you. And so Mary said very uh, heavily that you have a strong focus. And that's, I think that's something that's really important about your personality is that if I know that I have an issue, I bring it to you and you know exactly what to do or you know what your priority is. So to get you there, how did you yourself get to this idea of this strong focus? To be completely honest, I'm not sure, which certainly contradicts that idea because my family would tell you that I'm a, a highly indecisive person. Okay. Like I, I get stressed out when they ask, you know, like, what do you want for, if we're, let's say we're going to order out, right? What do you want to eat? I just, nothing. Like, I, I cannot make that kind of decision. Mm -hmm. I, I cannot choose. I cannot. And yet, the I guess, in a classroom kind of decision, in a school setting decision, in a life decision, I, I find that people tell me I'm decisive, which mm -hmm. is funny because I don't find myself to be decisive. I, I, I merely can... I see multiple paths and I, I have to decide it has to be one of them. And that decision often stresses me out. Right. And so my, like my mind is in turmoil trying to make these decisions, but I guess when I'm in the, in public, right, I'm forced to make that decision faster than I would if I were at home. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like we all put on sort of a brave face when we're out versus when we're in the comfort of, of mm -hmm. your own, your own home. Uh, but I guess what it boils down to is that in order to make decisions like that, you have to have a very specific and rigid, sometimes I'm told too rigid, set of values or ideals, and those will guide you in your decision-making process. And I realize that doesn't apply to like, what do you want to eat? But because I'm the kind of person, I could have the same thing to eat 
for every night. I'm the kind of person I go to a restaurant, I order the same thing on the menu every single time. I never eat anything else depending on what place I go to. So it's just, it's because I decided that's what I wanted to have. Right. Yeah. And I realized that's too rigid. I, I'm obviously too <laughs> rigid in some ways, but I guess that's where it comes from to make a very long answer short. There's nothing wrong with predictability. Uh, yes, I guess that's what is predictability. You know what's also interesting, Hunter, is your what? question about how you wish to be more outspoken and a little bit more outgoing. But it's because, and it's interesting, when you mentioned confidence, I, I do know you. I do know that you do exude confidence when you're teaching and you do exude confidence when you're being in front of other people. And I noticed that when you interview guests on this podcast, I know that how, how comfortable you are of talking to people you might not know. I get nervous before I talk to people who I don't know. But you come in guns a-blazing feeling so confident about how you, how you feel about that kind of stuff. So it's interesting that when you said that question for 18 and then going into 27 and 28 about the David Eddings immortal, you talked about the character Pogara and you talked about this, this not timidness, but then you brought up the fact of your mother again. Mm -hmm. So is that who you aspire to be someone who is as confident as your mom? I think so. And, and in a way, I, I suppose I am in a way like her. She, according to herself, you know, she has said many times that she is not an, an intrinsically outgoing person. Like she does not go out either. She has no desire to go anywhere. The pandemic was fine for her. She didn't, she hated going places. It gave her anxiety. And yet she is probably the most outgoing person that you'll meet when you meet her, you know, and it's because she's, according to her, forced herself to be that way over the years. The career path she took, the people she interacted with, they all forced her to be more outgoing. And therefore, it's sort of like the personality that she adopted, but in, intrinsically, she doesn't feel that's the way she is. In a way, I'm the same. You know, the people I've met, the people in my field are all outgoing. They're all very brazen. They're all very... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? They're all gung very, pardon? Gung-ho. Yeah, gung-ho, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you know, rah-rah. And I'm not that way. So when I'm around them, I'm certainly the most reserved, but I wouldn't say people would see me in a public setting and think I was reserved, right. if that makes sense. Like, you know, yeah. you said I'm, I'm confident, yes, but I wouldn't necessarily call myself outgoing. Yeah. If that may, like, it almost seems like a contradiction. It almost feels like your answer was what Mary said about the intrinsic and extrinsic portrait of your own self in that same fashion, which I think is interesting because I feel maybe a lot of people feel that way without even outwardly showing it sometimes. So I'm mm -hmm. glad that you were able to do that. And so my last question is about question 29, which relates to the historical figure who you most relate to, which you said Benjamin Franklin. I want to ask you about that. Why, why is that? You know, I'm, I'm not really sure, to be honest. I, I always see him as like, I mean, they say he was a very like, uh, they say he was a very funny, outspoken kind of, you know, like good natured kind of guy. Um, I, he was obviously in his later years, a very, a very dirty old man. But um, like I said, which I am not. <laughs> and not that not sense of him, but like. <laughs> <laughs> and. You know, I, in a in a room, I, I see myself often as sort of the, the the old man, I guess. Not because I'm physically old, but because I've been told I'm like 125 within. Um, 
and I'm the one who, you know, I don't give my opinion necessarily unless asked, and I, I am relatively quiet compared to others, but my opinion is a strong one if given, and I would like to think I'm a decently educated person, right. and sure. people do sometimes come to me for, for questions or something. So, I mean, I, I sometimes see myself as him. Right, yeah. Well, Hunter, again, you uh, splashed us with the 100% of accuracy and precision. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that precision. Of the Prowse question there. <laughs> so I want to thank you again and listen for the outro, and we'll be right back after this. All right, so after having listened to me drone on for endless amounts of time, uh, who will you go first? Mary, uh, was there something in particular that you learned about me? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I think that you keep with your your uh, trademark a little bit. Um, you know, and the more that I discover about you, you definitely have the one thing that you order at every restaurant, and that's how you work. And um, I... Um, <laughs> It, and I have I have friends that definitely rely on on structure in some of the same ways that you seem to be um, uh, appreciative of. And I, I think um, and I already kind of knew this because um, I, I I think our relationship exists through podcasts and Facebook basically. And your Facebook is a homage to your family. So <laughs> um, and so I think. I, well, first of all, like all the the picture collages that you post of your family, like after their birthdays, like showing every year of birthdays, I just think that's like amazing. So um, I don't know. I don't know if I learned anything necessarily new. Um, I just am thankful for the opportunity to get to know you even more because I think and we both said the same thing, um, like what's most important in friends. And we said, honesty, you were like, I don't want to copy Mary's answers, but I mean, like <laughs> there's only a few answers we can have, you know? <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, just getting to, to know you a little bit better has been fun. So. Oh, well, thank you. Let me be here. So. And Sean, sorry, that was like a total blank. I was like, oh, yeah, thank you. Okay. Yes, isn't that nice? And then I was like, oh, wait, we've got to ask another question. <laughs> um, so, Sean, what did you learn about me after the decade or so that we've known each other? Oh, well, I mean, I guess the thing that, that always has puzzled me was I, I always knew you were, again, like I mentioned with Mary, I've always observant, very smart. Um, but I just, I know how meticulous you are when you work. So it's always, a, it's really, it's a very, uh, I always say this to you a lot and you get really tired of me saying it, but you were very meticulous when you work and I enjoy when you work on podcasts with me and Mary that you are very um, particular about how you ask questions and that's something I really like about you and how when you were presented these questions by yourself, you were in turn just thinking very expressively outwardly and I always appreciate that with your uh, candor and your observing nature. Why, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. All right, so uh, it's been great having Hunter here, and um, you know uh, we have one more to do. Uh, so uh, you know, thanks again, Hunter, for being here and serenading us with uh, the answers to some deep questions. And um, 
uh, just letting us in on a little bit of your life as we uh, move into 2022 together. So um, anyways, thanks for being with us, uh, guys, and we hope to see you again on Music Speaks. Next time, we're going to sit down with Sean and ask him to do the cross questionnaire. So I'm Mary Haddix. I'm Sean Ramakunas with no timing. <laughs> and I'm Hunter Sagona. And always remember to keep listening to what you love.